Special Agent Ace, get in here! Yes, Chief? Ace, look at my feet. Yes, sir. What do you see? Your bare feet are digging into a sandbox under your desk, and your pant legs are rolled up halfway to your calves. Why do you think that is, Ace? Something unorthodox has attached itself to the CSIS name? Another weird case came across your desk? Your wife wants you to take Indian cooking classes with her. How do you know about the cooking classes? Your wife phoned me a couple of days ago to ask if I thought you'd be into it. The cooking classes aren't why I have my sandbox under my desk. No, sir. It didn't seem like the sort of thing that would cause your feet to take refuge. I just got a call from the boys in the lab. They say they've discovered something that goes against all possibility and is so far beyond improbable, it needs to be labeled impossible. Chief, please don't ask. Ace, go out into the hallway and see what it says on the two red filing cabinets. I know what they say, Chief. Get out there! Open a random drawer in each one of them, then come back in here. What was the label on the first filing cabinet? Hoaxes and crackpot allegations. Did you see any files when you opened that random drawer? It was full of files. The label on the second cabinet? Impossible, unbelievable, and unsolvable. Any files? Tons. Uh Uh-oh. He's tapping his big toes together like windshield wipers in the sandbox. Here we go. Why did the very first CSIS chief buy those filing cabinets with his own money, Ace? So cases with words like impossible and crackpot could be filed away quietly and discreetly without creating a lingering association with the CSIS name, and no one would ever have to hear about them again. Is that too much to ask? For you to get that damn rock-containing fossilized microscopic tap shoes out of your knitting bag and file it! Uh, Chief, I... And the ridiculous tennis ball that paleontologist Yasmin Stanislavski says she found in a necklace around the neck of a 70-million-year-old dinosaur? Chief... A necklace-wearing dinosaur is impossible, so file it there. Why can't you concentrate on relevant important cases like the one I gave you yesterday, the assassination plot for the Prime Minister? I'm ready to file Stop asking so many questions. File every inexplicable thing away and hope it will disappear. That's the way of Canadian intelligence. Hey, what? You ready to file? Yes. I already apprehended and got a confession from the would-be assassin. He was from a pro-North Americanization group intent on erasing the invisible line that separates Canada, the United States, and Mexico. I've never noticed an invisible line. The group's mandate is to ensure equality between the countries, equal access to water, oil, minerals, lumber, and tacos, and exorbitantly priced or completely inadequate health care for everyone. His plan was to kill the Prime Minister so the President could step in and help out for a while, then never leave. I'm... I'm listening... Chief, you never listen to what anyone says. I know, damn it! But sometimes it's impossible not to listen to you. It's another reason I keep telling the head honchos at head office we should fire you. But they don't listen to me. When the would-be assassin came by to drop off the assassination warning letter, his boots tracked in some mud. I had the boys in the lab do a detailed analysis of the mud from the footprint to give us a footprint of the land the footprint originated from. 
Stop talking in circles and get to the point! I went to the only town in Canada that had that specific combination of minerals in the earth, looked for similar footprints leading to one of the houses, and apprehended the would-be assassin. I wonder if it's possible to get a portable heater for my sandbox. Chief? Oh, why are you still standing here? Get out of here! You wanted to tell me about a phone call you got from the boys in the lab. Does something about the boys in the lab strike you as a little strange? You mean that Stefan always dresses like a cowboy and his twin brother Stephen always dresses like a native Indian? Their parents say they never got out of their cowboys and Indians face. Oh, well, tell them they can't use smoke signals for inner office communications. Apparently it's a fire hazard. Well, howdy, Ace! The chief tells me the analysis you boys performed yesterday while I was tracking down the prime minister's would-be assassin turned up something impossible. Dag nabbit, Stephen, why did you go and tell him without me? Whoa there, cowboy. Put your gun down. There's no need for violence in these here parts. He's not the chief that told me. Mom told you never to point that thing at me. Oh, will you stop making that damn noise? And put that arrow back in your quiver. You know my gun's almost never loaded, you big baby. Stefan, give me your gun. Aw, come on, Ace. I promise I won't take it out again. Serves you right, paleface. Stephen, give me your bow and arrows. Oh, no fair. You can have your weapons back after I leave. Boys, I understand you've got news for me. Is it about the rock or the tennis ball? The The necklace. We did what you asked this time, great delver into the unknown. We went deeper. During the first few examinations... We just confirmed there really was a pair of tap shoes in the Precambrian rock. Extraordinary, as far as facts go. But fairly ordinary, as far as tap shoes go. Now, as far as the necklace goes... Wait, what about the tennis ball? I was positive the necklace was just some sort of contrivance for taking care of the ball. Well, the ball played a pretty good game of tennis there, Padre. But aside from the curious storm you can hear when holding it up to your ear... And the fact it was found in a necklace hanging around the neck of a fossilized dinosaur... It seemed pretty ordinary. Did you cut it open? (gasps) Absolutely not! That would be tampering with evidence. Mm -hmm. So what did you find out about the necklace? Well, the first few times we examined it, we figured it was made from some fine quality leather that had the unusual ability to continue being leather when it should have disintegrated or become fossilized. But, other than that, it was quite ordinary. So far you boys are only telling me what I already know. When are we going to go from ordinary to impossible? Yesterday, hombre. We moved into the impossible! That's right. In order to get the kind of precise readings you were looking for, we needed the strongest magnifying device available on Earth. Then my partner Stephen here had a brainstorm. Yes, I did, Kimosabe. Google Earth. Google Earth. Google Earth? Think about it, answer seeker. If that satellite all the way up there in space can pinpoint you or me walking down the street... Imagine its magnifying capabilities. So we set the rock up in an outdoor lab we built and used Google Earth to get the closest look at the shoes that we ever got. It turned out they were made of fine leather. Isn't it funny, I said to my brother, more fine leather that didn't disintegrate. What are the odds? You think they're related, I said. No, impossible, I said. Do you want to make a bet, I said. You're on, I said. Steven, Stefan, can we please get to the point? What did you find out? How are the necklace and tap shoes related? What's so impossible? 
Well, the thing is, partner, the cells that make up the fine leather of the tap shoes and the fine leather of the necklace are exactly the same. But they aren't the cells you'd normally find in fine leather. I'm sorry, I don't understand. You know how a stem cell is undifferentiated, so it can grow to be any cell at once? Well, when we went deeper like you asked, it's kind of what we found. A bunch of undifferentiated cells that happen to get frozen in time in the shape of a pair of shoes and a necklace. From what we could tell, those undifferentiated cells could have reconfigured themselves into anything. And the other thing about them, Kimosabe, is those undifferentiated cells did not originate here on Earth. Field notes, Special Agent Ace Galaxy, read, tiny tap shoes, big necklace. A rose is a rose is a rose. If undifferentiated cells are undifferentiated cells, does that mean a pair of microscopic tap shoes are a dinosaur-sized necklace? It doesn't seem possible. Does it mean they originated from the same planet? Possibly. I'm busy. Go away. Ma'am, something's come up that requires your attention. I'm the editor-in-chief at the Giant Book of Destiny. Everything requires my attention. What do you two want? We need your authorization to hire all the inhabitants of the Vega and Rigel star systems as part-time help. And Canopus, too. We'll also need all of the inhabitants of Canopus to handle the demand. Copy aid, what kind of part-time work requires four planets worth of laborers? Oh! I can't answer that, ma'am. After all, fact-checking is my job. (laughs) All right, Fran, you answer. Well? Hold on, I'll find it. We're having trouble handling the response we're getting to our broadcast. What broadcast? Fact-checker, explain this. Oh, yes, um... The broadcast you requisitioned to help sentient and non-sentient beings everywhere understand that their insignificant lives are actually meaningful drops of paint in Destiny's big picture. Why should a problem with the broadcast require four planets' worth of part-time workers? To handle the phone lines. Agitated listeners are calling in saying that the broadcast has become, uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Nonsense. Uh, impossible to follow. Oh, here's one. Bewilderingly incomprehensible. The problem is all the new developments. Who the hell was tap dancing all over amoebas on prehistoric Earth? And why were they so small? Where did a dinosaur get a necklace? And is it possible to buy a copy over the intergalactic eBay? Who authorized the research into undifferentiated cells? And can we confirm that nothing that ever could have developed into anything else was killed or otherwise injured in the process? What's a tennis ball doing bouncing through time? Okay, stop. Both of you. Rather than hiring all those part-time workers to answer individual questions, it would be much more cost-efficient to simply explain what's going on as part of the broadcast. You mean explain all about Tra-La-La? And the recycling pile. This is the giant book of destiny. We have access to the entirety of entirety. If a little backstory will help make this broadcast comprehensible, then let's provide backstory. The whole point of this exercise is to make destiny seem more ordered, not to add to the confusion running rampant throughout creation. Oh, okay, cool. I actually marked that section of my notes with a sticky because I thought you might ask for this. Wait, was it the yellow stickies or the red stickies? Uh, just a second. Oh, for... Look, Tralala was originally one of the recycling piles where God kept scraps left over from several of the world's he... She was creating. Oh, here we 
we go. God was commencing work on a new system when she got called away on an extended business trip. Uh... While God was away, a very large comet of unknown origin flew right through the middle of his recycling pile. By the time all the bits of recycling matter eventually coalesced, a baby planet was yawning into existence and primordial signs of life were noticing themselves for the first time. When God returned from his business trip... Instead of finding her recycling pile where she left it... He found Tralala already singing with life. Does that answer all the questions? Can I get back to work now? I've got a deadline to meet on the section of the book I'm editing about the intergalactic war between the Milky Way and Andromeda. Ma'am, remember this broadcast is supposed to create a warm, fuzzy feeling in listeners' hearts. Intergalactic wars, by and large, neither warm nor fuzzy. According to my notes, the majority of calls coming through pertain to Ace Galaxy's question. Does that mean a pair of microscopic tap shoes are a dinosaur-sized necklace? A little more information about the beings on Tralala would go a long way towards clearing up the confusion. As a consequence of having been created out of the recycling pile, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, beings on that planet have the ability to change shape. What's so confusing about that? Apparently a lot. The volume of calls just increased. I guess we're creating more questions than we're answering. Well, answer one of them and let's see what kinds of questions they've got. Giant Book of Destiny, fact checker Fran here. Is there a fact I can check for you? Yes. This is Set Asian from the underwater planet in the Canopus system. And I'd like to ask you to please stop all of this explaining. I haven't been able to find work for three years. And I could really use the part-time job. Next caller. If the beings on Tralala are made out of a little bit of this and a little bit of that, what does the dominant form of life on that planet look like? Are they a combination of fins and claws and spindles and leaves or what? Uh, no. Interestingly enough, against odds of 18 quintillion to one, the shape they're born into on their planet is identical to human beings on Earth. So they don't actually need to change shape when they go to Earth, wherever the black fires of sandwich that is. Uh, no. They must change shape, otherwise they'll immediately be pegged as aliens and end up on the dissecting table of local authorities. You just said against odds of a billion to one they look like human beings, whatever they look like. Against odds of 18 quintillion to one. Yes. They look like humans, but they don't move like them. They don't walk or run or saunter. So what do they do? Crawl? No, they dance. The dominant life forms are called tralala dancers because they dance everywhere they go. Why were the tap shoes so small then? Well, because during Earth's primordial period, life was microscopic. In order to confirm that there was any life at all, the Tralala Dancer had to shrink down to find it. So, one of them shrunk down, left the shoe behind, and contaminated the history of another planet, instead of just using a magnifying device to look for microscopic life? Yes! You're telling me a bunch of witless... Uh, rhythmically inclined. Rhythmically inclined beings, destiny was to travel all over the galaxy without ever having invented something as simple as Google Trauma La. Destiny really is the disorganized, mismanaged mess I always suspected it was. Hmm. Done? Uh, no. They're still asking about the tennis ball that was hanging around the dinosaur's neck. That's energy ball that was hanging around the dinosaur's neck. Potato, potato. What's the difference? Well, although the energy ball plays a mean game of tennis, its main function is as a portable energy supply. 
Oh, explain it, but be quick. Just because we have eternity spread out before us doesn't mean I have time to waste on this. Oh, wait, ma'am. I've located the moment in time that will explain everything. Tony Slizzingtorn and his sister Sue have just exited the cobbler's shop where Tony was getting new taps put on his shoes. Stop shuffling along, Sue. We need to hurry back to the transport and get home before it rains. What is it with you and rain, Tony? Every time a cloud passes by one of the suns, you want to quick-step it inside. Well, whenever I'm outside, a storm suddenly appears in the sky, and I feel like I'm being stalked or something. The lightning the lightning wants to strike me. <laughs> don't be ridiculous, Tony. Storms don't suddenly appear in the sky, and lightning can't purposely strike anyone. Anyway, this is the side street where we parked our transport. We'll be home in 15 minutes. Where, where, where's the transport, Sue? Oh, no. They must have towed it away to make room for this impromptu parade. Oh, come on. We'll have to get home on foot. Sue, what are you waiting for? Oh, the band sounds really good. Oh, how about we stay and watch the parade and then go home? Giant Book of Destiny here with an interesting bit of alternate future history. If Tony had listened to his sister and watched the parade, the music would have so mesmerized him, at its end he would have spun off obliviously. Uh, according to my notes, he would have spun directly into an open manhole, where he would have drowned in the sewage. Lightning would have continued to strike other people, but none would have reacted in the same way as Tony Slizzingtorn and the destiny of Tralala and countless other planets, including Earth, wouldn't have played out the way it was originally written in the giant book of destiny. Sue, will you please cut it out with the grand taste? There's no one here to impress, just me and you and the empty field between us and home. We have to hurry before the storm breaks. Oh, and you think swiveling hips and shimmying your shoulders accompanied by tapping shoes is better? For your information, tapping doesn't work on grass. Besides, look up. There isn't a red storm cloud in sight. What? Oh, hey, you're right. It's, it's beautiful out here. Wait, where did all those angry red storm clouds suddenly come from? Hurry, Sue, we have to get home now! I'm swiveling my hips and shimming my shoulders as fast as I can, Tony, but this just isn't an effective means of locomotion! If only we were racehorses, we'd be able to dash across this field to the safety of home. I've never seen so much lightning flashing in the sky. Oh, Tony, watch out! Hey, where did that racehorse come from? Tony? Tony, where are you? Wow, I've never shimmied so fast in my life. Hold on. I'm not shimmying, I'm running. I'm running on four legs. I'm a racehorse. Well, it's about bloody time. We've been trying to get a message to you for the longest time. Who said that? Where are you? Look up. Up here. The lightning! Lightning? Lightning can't talk. Well, no kidding. Lightning can't talk. I'm not talking. That's an inefficient means of communication. Words and sentences lead to way too many misunderstandings. This is a transmission of information from one life force to another. Why did you have to strike me then? Why couldn't you just communicate with me in this way in the first place? Oh, for God's sake. If I didn't strike you, you wouldn't have had sufficient energy to receive my communication. 
but you wouldn't have turned into a racehorse either. You did this? Yeah. Listen, there are a few things you planet dwellers need to know, and you were chosen as the messenger. Huh? What? Why me? Well, after much deliberation and rumination, your name was chosen completely at random. <laughs> uh, have the taps in my shoes been transformed into horseshoes? Yes, they have. There's been a complete transformation. <clears throat> Allow me to explain. Because our planet came into existence when a meteor crashed through God's recycling pile, and everything's made up of the same basic stuff, that means with enough energy, anything can communicate with or recycle into anything else. You mean anything can recycle into anything else? Oh, thank goodness I think you're actually paying attention. Oh, there's only one caveat, though. Only creatures capable of feeling guilty for something they once did by accident have enough self-awareness to actually change into something else. On Tra-La-La, there are only two life forms with that capacity. Tra-La-La dancers and deep ocean rock suckers. But no deep ocean rock sucker has ever had the inclination to do anything else but suck rock. Since lightning provided just the right jolt for a tralala dancer or deep ocean rock sucker to change shape, energy balls were created to house the storm. There, that's how energy balls came into existence. Direct the broadcast back to Ace Galaxy so I can finish up with the intergalactic war. Where is he now? Well, he and Yasmin Stanislavski, uh, she being the paleontologist who first discovered Eve, who in turn was the first ever velociraptor with feathers, it's a complicated... Thing. Uh, anyways, look, they've just, um, <clears throat> consummated their relationship. Wow, that's a better way of emptying my mind of unnecessary thoughts than knitting. Ace, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. My empty head suddenly started filling up with answers. Yasmin, I have to get into the heart of the storm. What? You're leaving already? Don't you want to, um, cuddle for a bit? No. Yes. Where's my knitting bag? I need that tennis ball you found in the necklace Eve was wearing. You want to play tennis? No. When I first heard what sounded like a storm in this ball, I thought it was odd. Probably an insignificant consequence of the air inside it being compressed and buried for so long. But now I believe it's more than that. Whatever's causing that sound is the key to our investigation. Okay, so we'll break it open later. It's already held its shape for 70 million years. Breaking it open may not be that easy. If we can't do it, you can always take it back to the boys in the lab. Besides, I have other things in mind for you. Throw the ball here, Kimasabi. There's no dispute in the fact that there's a storm in that there ball. But like we told you before, Padre, we can't cut it open because that would be tampering with the evidence. Boys, don't think of this as tampering with evidence. Somewhere inside the storm raging away in there is the answer to where those undifferentiated cells came from. Could be. And why they never bothered to differentiate themselves. Yep, but the chief told us to lasso this case and put it in a bed in the stable. I did not. Not you! Listen, no matter what kind of fancy headdress you like to wear, you're still not a chief. You're just an Indian. Oh! Boys, are you saying you're willing to lie to close this case? Whoa! No one said anything about lying there, buckaroo. When you don't tell the whole truth, you're lying by omission. By not cutting open the ball, we're not studying all the evidence. An honorable brave always seeks the truth. That's right. And not investigating all the evidence is the same as lying by omission. That's tampering with it in the worst way. Ow! Woo! There's a new 
sheriff in town. Let's see that there bouncing rascal. Now, you already tried stabbing it, sawing it, and running over it with a car. Sounds like the plot of that movie we saw last week, eh, Stephen? <laughs> Do you boys have any idea what else we can try? We, we can, can try, try shooting, shooting it. it. Ace, don't, don't agree, agree to this. this. Shooting, shooting it won't work. work. But maybe but after it doesn't, doesn't work, work, they'll agree to try something else. else. Okay, let's try shooting it. Stefan, you get the... Pole for the floor. You get... A pole for the ceiling. I've got to hand it to you, boys. I never have thought of constructing a clamp between two poles like this. That is a fine piece of machinery. What's going on? Hey, what are you doing with that gun? What are you doing with that arrow? Boys, lower your weapons before someone gets shot. The last thing we want here is an incident of accidental fratricide. Oh, you know, that dang varmint stole my idea. Lying pale face. Relax, boys. The ball's not going anywhere. We can give both the gun and the arrow a try. I want to go first. Ace, get out of my way. What the hell you think you're doing? I'm going first. Wait, boys. Why don't we just flip a coin to see who goes... Ow! Steven, what happened? I got shot. Ace, that heap big baby shot me. You shot him? Shot him? I did not shoot him. I shot the dang ball. Oh, forget that crying Indian. There's an arrow sticking out of my damn leg. That coward shot me while I had my back turned. I did not shoot you. I shot the ball. Look at what you have done to my arm. It is filled with bullet. I don't think either of you shot the other. If I didn't get shot, then why does my arm feel like it is burning with great wild fire? Well, listen. An arrow ripping into your leg hurts way more than a measly bullet in the arm. I realize you both got shot, but I don't think you shot each other. If they have to amputate my arm, Mom's going to be really mad at you. Oh yeah? Well, if, if they can't save my leg, Dad's gonna kill you. From what I saw, the arrow Steven shot ricocheted off the ball, bumped into something invisible in midair, then flew back until it was intercepted by Stefan's leg. Blah, 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 blah. Are you just gonna stand there babbling away? Or are you going to call an ambulance? Because yeah, I don't know whether you noticed it or not. But we have been shot. The invisible something the arrow bumped into must have been the bullet on its way back from ricocheting off the ball before it continued on its course to Stephen's arm. Ace! I heard a weapon was discharged down here in the lab. Do you know how much paperwork I'm going to have to read because of this? Actually, two weapons were discharged, but Stephen and Stefan are okay. Who are you? Uh... I've seen you somewhere before. Uh, I'm Yasmin Stanislavski. The paleontologist who uncovered the first evidence of dinosaur jewelry. Oh, right, yeah. What are you doing here? Well, I rushed over after Ace called to tell me the boys in the lab were shocked. Like I told you on the phone, Yasmin, everyone's okay. There was no reason for you to come all the way over here. Well, yes, there was. I was worried you'd keep trying to break that ball open on your own. With all the commotion, I haven't had time to do anything else yet. Ace, please, just forget about trying to get inside Eve's ball. It's dangerous. CSIS agents aren't afraid of danger. They're trained to laugh in the face of it. Ace, sign off on the report about the shooting for me. I don't want to risk a paper cut. Two people have already gotten injured trying to break that ball open. I have a really bad feeling something worse could happen if we don't stop this right now. Someone could get killed. Ace, quit walking around that crazy contraption staring at the ball. Listen to your girlfriend, wrap this case up, read all the paperwork for me, and then file it! Oh, it's really coming down out there. I love the sound of a storm. Except the one in that tennis ball. Would you mind if I open the window? Where's that Indian, Stefan? Stephen's the Indian. Stefan is the cowboy. 
They're both in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, when they get out, tell whichever one of them is the Indian to clean up his toys before he leaves the lab. Chief, they left in an ambulance. I don't care if they left in a hearse. There's no reason to leave a mess. Every time I come down here, I find feathers that have fallen out of Stefan's headdress. Stephen's headdress. Ace, would you quit staring at that ball as if it contains the answers to the greatest questions in the universe? Put it down and help me clean up this mess. Is it a coincidence that the only dinosaur ever found with an ornament around its neck was also the first one to wear feathers? The listening audience can't see what's going on. Fact checker friend, describe the scene for them. I'm sorry, ma'am, but even if the listening audience was in the same room with Ace, and assuming they could see over the heads of everyone else, I don't think anyone would have detected what just happened. The only reason I know is because I read it in my notes. Uh, For just a second, after Ace asked if it was just a coincidence that the only dinosaur ever found with an ornament around its neck was also the first one to wear feathers, the storm inside the energy ball pushed against Ace's fingertips. I can't stand here listening to this drivel. Miss Stanislavski, shall we go see if we can find a kettle? You can make yourself some tea and I'll go get my portable tub out of the car and soak my feet. We'll be back in a few minutes, Ace. Don't do anything rash while we're gone. Things are about to get pretty exciting in the lab. Friend, see what Ace is doing? He's just standing there holding the energy ball in one hand and the necklace in the other, blinking about twice as fast as people normally blink. He's also making an impression on an intelligence from Tralala. Uh, ma'am, there's no one else in the lab with Ace. Frank Figgledee Dee won't be arriving on Earth for over two months. You're forgetting about the lightning in the energy ball. That lightning is at this moment making a connection with Ace's skin cells and wants to say hi to the rest of them. Uh, how can the lightning communicate with Ace? He's not made up of particles from Tralala like Tony Slizzingtorn. What? Of course he is. God used a recycling pile for both building materials and as a destination for leftovers during Earth's seven-day construction. There's a lot of existence out there, but it's really all just part of one thing parceled out and repackaged in different forms. Like they say on Rigel 3, same excrement, different carrying vessel. Oh, okay. It's all starting to make sense now. But there's just one more thing I don't understand. According to my notes, Tralala energy balls are constructed to keep the lightning storm inside. How did Ace get it out of the ball? He didn't. The lightning wants to get out, so the exterior of the ball won't do anything to stop it. Ah! Ace, oh my god! Chief, call an ambulance! Ace has been struck by lightning! Dead? Did the lightning that struck him come out of the ball or in through the window? Will the people of Earth ever find out about shape-changing aliens? Is this where the broadcast ends? In that episode of The Destiny of Special Agent Ace Galaxy, Gord Mare starred as Ace Galaxy, Michelle Cote as the editor-in-chief of the Giant Book of Destiny, Eric Blom-Gagné as the aide, and Elise Blom-Gagné as fact-checker Fran, with J.C. Paquette as the chief, Martin Biot as Stefan, Caller 2, and the Lightning, William Patton as Stephen, Caller 1, and Tony, 
Misa Besada as Yasmin Stanislavski, and Lisa Kalisma Davis as Sue. The marching band on Tra La La were the Scarlet Brigade Marching and Concert Band from Windsor, Ontario, playing The Screamer by Frederick Alton Jewell. The program was written by Misa Besada and produced by Leslie Burton and Misa Besada, with theme music by Jewel Beat. It was directed by Martin Biot, with audio production by Simon Bowers at Skylight Studios, Toronto. Want more Ace? Check out our website, acegalaxy.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or drop us a line at projectace1 at gmail.com. 